Leadership is defined as the ability of an individual or a group of individuals to influence and guide followers or other members of an organization. We're talking to Mike and Wendy Perry to unpack what it takes to be a good leader in 2022. Welcome to the ROI Range of Influence podcast. I'm your co-host, Russell Hodney, President and CEO of the Columbia County Chamber of Commerce. And thank you for joining us in part four of our series, A Better You in 22. With me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Reagan Williams, Senior Vice President at Maybaum and past chair of the Chamber's Board of Directors. Reagan, why don't you introduce us to our guest today? Thank you, Russ. Great to be back in the studio for this fourth and final episode of A New You in 22. I'm excited today. We've got Mike and Wendy Perry from Catalyst. Catalyst is an executive advising and consulting group. Uh, They work to improve the lives of people in every way that matters. And today we're talking about creating a culture that people want to be a part of and leaders they want to show up for. That's right. And it's a Great conversation and timely for the environment that we're working in now. And we're going to get right to that conversation as soon as we hear from our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks. Premier Networks is the premier information technology and cybersecurity firm in the CSRA. You have enough to worry about for your business. Leave it to the Augusta IT guys to ensure your IT is done right. No ironclad contracts, no fine print. Just fast, reliable technology from an experienced customer-centric team, locally owned. Call for a free cyber assessment because in 2021, IT has to be right. Premier Networks, the official IT partner of the Augusta Green Jackets. Welcome to the studio, Mike, Wendy. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, this is a topic that... Um, I think impacts everybody. We talk about leadership and people always kind of have that concept of, well, I'm not in management. I'm not leading any staff. But if you really think about leadership, you know, we're a leader maybe in church or at home, uh, you know, depending on what kind of structure uh, you're in or the different activities you do. Um, So let's just kick off with the idea of what is leadership? Um, How do you go about leadership? And uh, we'll just kind of open it for a little bit of conversation, then we'll go from there. Who wants to start? Mike? Okay, I'll start. Yeah, it's, it, because Wendy said I should. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's leadership. That's leadership, right? <laughs> exactly. But, um, but I think the important thing about leadership first is for um, people to conceive of it as an action, not a position necessarily, right? As you alluded to, um, there are a lot of people who are in what we call leadership roles, but they aren't necessarily the leaders in the organization. So leadership is about influence. Um, it's about influencing, you know, maybe one person or a couple of people influencing others to do something to, to uh, together that they can't do alone. And so leadership is about moving people, what motivates them, um, what causes them to push through adversity and to accomplish something maybe bigger than themselves. So I think that's what leadership is. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and leadership is at every level, right? So you don't necessarily, as you mentioned, Mike, um, you don't necessarily have to be in the leadership role or in the the C-suite or an executive. 
for example, but wherever you are, you can have that informal or indirect influence and also influence people that maybe you didn't even recognize you were leading. So yeah, I think that was a good point. Yeah, really good, uh, interesting point about that. So separating out those that are in a leadership role versus those that are leaders. I, I know that we've all probably worked in organizations in which the person in the leadership role was not the leader. They were, they were the person on paper that was supposed to be in charge, but there was somebody else that was leading everybody. We've all been there. And then, and then sometimes we find ourselves in that position where we need to be led um, and finding the person, the organization that's going to lead us, and it's not always that person in leadership role. Um, but the challenge is, is when we're in that leadership role, we've got to step into that position of leadership. Um, you know, I, I think about in my own career and, you know, contemporaries, whenever you start to advance through an organization, and you begin to assume other leadership roles. I'm curious what your perspective is on the challenges that those people, when you step into a leadership role, find themselves in. What, what are the challenges when it comes to, you know, being the leader instead of just the role? You know, what, what do you have to do to get people, Mike, as you say, to have people follow you and not just do what you say because you're you know, quote unquote, in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great point. Um, and in fact, if you find yourself saying, you know, reminding people that you are the leader, that you're in charge, you've lost the battle already, right? And so, I, I think one of one of the most difficult things to do on the planet is to step into a uh, a leadership role to take on more responsibility uh, for people in a place where you've played maybe you know another role, and so now you're getting promoted in place. And the, the people who were your peers now all of a sudden are your direct reports maybe. Profoundly difficult to do. Um, I think it's important to establish, first establish your leadership. How? Not by screaming you're the leader, but to establish things like um, routine, to establish you know, your relationships, and to begin to talk to people about what you believe, what you see. Um, there's something about sharing of vision and ideas that just motivates people in ways that you don't have to light a spark, right? The spark's there. You just gotta give people something to, to ignite. And so you begin to share those ideas and bring them along with you on that journey. Um, you're gonna see amazing results. I also think it's important to um, begin to know what other people's ideas are and to release them so they can grow as well. Um, and Cause we're gonna talk about that pro probably a little bit later, but people want to grow. They want to be able to see a future for themselves um, in that organization. And so I think you have to create the space for that to happen. Yeah, and I think it comes down to using your relative authority and power for good, right? Um, it's about relationships, but it's about how do you leverage your influence um, in the position that you now hold in a way that supports, that develops, that inspires the people that you're responsible for. Uh, so it's not just about you checking that block or getting that title or having that office. It's about how do you use that to now lift others up or to motivate them. Uh, you could be the absolute example for how they can also climb. You know what? There's it, one, one other thing I just, I just thought of, and that is, you know, when you when you start something new, when you, when you get stressed out, the tendency is to do what you know. And when you step into another role, it's about the people doing what they know and you trusting them to do what they do. Because it, just by virtue of your position, there are certain things that you can do in a leadership role that other people cannot. They're, they're you know, people you have access to, resources, et cetera. You provide the resource and allow the people to do what they do best. 
um, but it can be very difficult to do that, particularly when you when it's early and you're you know uncomfortable in that role, maybe. Yeah, and, and I think it's an interesting point talking about you know leadership and and letting people kind of grow into their own. You know, far too often we think of leadership and it's like you know telling your staff what to do and and but it's not. It's really letting them kind of develop into and you know, come up with ideas and encourage them to, because if you're just continually telling them what to do, they, you don't, you're, you're missing out on so much untapped possibilities within your, your team. Yeah, exactly. So I love, I love what you guys said there, because you can easily fall into that trap of, you're going to do this, I need it by this, and this is the way I want it done. Well, Give them an opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as a leader, one of your responsibilities is to remove barriers and whatever barriers or obstacles that your people face. Um, if you can remove those barriers, then, then you create an environment where, in a culture where they can thrive. Um, you know, and when we talk about establishing structure as well. So, yeah, we want them to be free. We want them to think. We want to invite them in. But there has to be some kind of structure and guidance and direction. Um, as that leader, maybe your responsibility is to be the visionary, to provide the vision of where we're going, and, and then let them decide how to get there. One thing, Wendy, you, you mentioned earlier that I think is, is really key is that we don't need to necessarily wait to lead. Right. So so many folks feel like, well, I'm not in the right position or I'm not in that like leadership role. So I've got to wait my turn until I can lead. But really, we need to, to lead wherever we're at, have influence wherever we're at, show that we can be a leader to those that are leading us. And I think that that's an important thing to do. Um, here's the conundrum that I think sometimes we face. Right. Is if you're in a position where maybe you're not, you know, the leader but you're having an outsized influence, you're providing leadership skills, you, you are doing things that obviously you're, you're exhibiting leadership in your role. You know, how do you do so in, in such a way that you aren't you know, stepping on toes of those that are leading you or challenging their leadership or taking the group or organization in a different direction than your leader wants to go? Because that's, that's gotta be a delicate balance. Yeah, absolutely. Wendy, go ahead. You can take that one. <laughs> it is a delicate, delicate balance. And I think it really is the opportunity for the leaders that are in the position to recognize the leadership potential and then develop that uh, aspiring leader in a way that provides the right guidance. And what I mean by that is you, you can't be intimidated by what's coming. There are a lot of uh, rock stars. There's some extreme talent out there who are just barely entering the workforce. Um, if you can tap into that potential early, then you have a better opportunity to guide them in a way that that really solidifies the team and not divides the team. Um, as that aspiring leader, it is important to seek out mentorship. It is important to tap into what's established in order for you to create a pathway that's going to make you successful within that organization. Because what also happens is, well, I, maybe I think I'm outgrowing or I'm outpacing my leadership here. Um, and that that's that person. And so now I'm going to look for maybe opportunities elsewhere. Or the leadership is saying, you're being too disruptive. Maybe you need to look for opportunities <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is to, on one side, tap in and 
help develop that potential and on the other side to reach out and ask for some mentorship, some guidance. Um, I think ultimately we want to keep our strong leaders and we want them to someday take over. And even if they leave us, then we've done our job. And that means they go somewhere else and they lead well. No, it's, it's a fantastic point. It's something that, that I actually do with my team is, I mean, I, I tell them all, we actually are doing, you know, end of year reviews with everybody. And I, and, and I told everybody, I, you know, I, I, my goal, my goal for you is to not have you in this position forever. If you want to go somewhere, I want to help you do that. And if that's leaving my team, that's great. If that's going to someplace else, that's fine. As long as, you know, you're happy in your career path and let's make you, make you do that. And, you know, I've worked for some, some folks that, I mean, they want to keep you there and don't want you to succeed because that disrupts them. Yes. Right. And so yes. for, for great leaders, I think, you know, those that, that want to push you to, to fly as high as you want to and, and can go is really great. Another thing that I think about too is I, I see this meme a lot for leaders. Uh, and it's this idea that, that you've got this team of people and they've got this rope and they're pulling something. And it's like the boss is the guy out front, like telling you where to go. But the leader is one who's got the rope too. And he's pulling along with you. And I think great leaders, at least the way I was taught, are those that are, are willing to get down and do everything that, that they're asking everybody else to go. How important is, is an active leader uh, kind of in the trenches with their people, uh, you know, as opposed to somebody who kind of sits in the office and directs from there? Yeah, I, I, I think... Um and, and I think w what it requires to do that really, it, you know, kind of um, piggybacks on Wendy's uh, point about, you know, when you have a rock star and what you do with that person who seems to be wanting to break out. Um, humility and timing, I think, are, are everything in, in leadership. And a lot of th people think of humility as something um, as a more of a negative, I think. But humility is really understanding that it's not about you. It's about what we're doing. It's about these people. And so I think a leader who is willing to get in the trenches uh, is critical. But it's also important for that leader to know when to not be in the trenches because, again, there are things that are happening outside of some of those trenches that only they can address, that only they can speak to, only, only they can you know, drive. And so you, you need to get out and make sure that the folks in the trenches have what they need sometime, but you very much, you must be willing to get into the trenches. You know, Wendy and I are both retired Army, and uh, I remember back in the day as a platoon leader in Korea, I'd be in the motor pool on my back under, under trucks looking at things and um, surprising people that I actually knew what the parts were that I was, <laughs> I was looking at. But that went such a long way in terms of them understanding that I was willing to get my hands dirty. But then I also I got up and I would go to the commander and try to do things that were um, beneficial to our, to our unit and to the mission that we had, right? Well, I, I think th that point is so uh, important to, for folks to understand is that, you know, getting in the trenches, right? So getting your hands dirty is not always the best thing to do. But for, for folks that are following you, it's, it's knowing that you're willing to do that, right? right? So knowing that, yeah, sure, you're, you're directing ops and you're doing all these things, that you're leading, you know, groups of people, but when push comes to shove and, and you're needed to jump in, you will, and that you're not asking anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. Absolutely. And that's really important. Yeah, yeah, it's important. You, you can't stand on the sidelines and watch people uh, suffer. You can't stand, stand on the sidelines and expect that we're gonna do something amazing and you are not in some way constantly actively involved in that. 
It, it makes me think about football. I mean, pretty much everything makes me think about football. Yes, but, <laughs> but, you know, the idea is that that quarterback is often seen as the leader of that team. And the quarterback is right there on the field, but he has to depend on everyone on that team to do their job to play their role to to protect him so that he can then see everything he needs to see identify where the weak points are and then send the people <laughs> where they need to go but it's all orchestrated from that position you can't do that effectively from the sideline although some may beg to differ <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I think you have to be on the field to be able to see it football I, I love it when 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 Wendy goes football because <laughs> we could work that all day but but yeah. But ultimately, it's about getting that ball across the goal. Right. I don't have to be the one. Sometimes I hand it off. Sometimes I pass it. Sometimes I keep it. Some, some of us don't even touch it. But everything that we do is with the objective of getting this thing done. And so I think leadership, right? How do you get everyone to buy into this to, you know, to align with what, where we're going? How do you get everybody to align? And so it's about you know, motivating people. Even if you never touch the ball, we, together we're going to get it across the line. Yeah. I love that analogy, though, Wendy, just picking that apart real quick, because a good quarterback, very successful quarterbacks, the ones that that we see that are Super Bowl champions, they may throw the ball. But if they're and, and some of them, you'll see out in front blocking for some of the. So, again, getting in the trenches, not asking somebody else to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And that's the great, a great sign of a good leader. Yes, yeah. I saw something recently that said, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And it I struck me yeah. because I thought, yeah. you know, it, at the root of it, that's what we're doing. You're, you're in that position. You ha you've been given that, um, that authority to carry out and take care of the people that you're responsible for. So we're kind of talking about that, um, the, the whole concept of leadership, but what if we kind of dive in a little bit? I know you guys have some ideas to help, but if we were to talk about somebody who's maybe in a, a quote unquote leadership role, um, which we know we all are, um, what would you say would be kind of some of the first things to help them become a better leader? What, where would we start? Um. I think I think we start in a place where I would say that the last couple of years, if you if you are leading people in the last couple of years, probably one of the most difficult times, if not the most difficult time in history to be leading anybody. Um, and so last year we're looking I say last year, 2021, um, we're looking at a situation where um, I think McKinsey and company is saying about 40 percent of the workforce is you know, considering leaving their jobs. And we know that that personnel have been a problem for the last few years. Um, and people are leaving those jobs despite pay increases. COVID showed them something different. And so they're restructuring their lives a bit. And so we're seeing the impact of that in the workforce. So as a leader, you're working in that context. And by the way, the workforce was overwhelmed before COVID-19. Uh, there was a CEO report, I think commissioned by the uh, American Red, um, American Heart Association, actually. If you look at that 2019 report, it reported that mental health was a crisis in the workplace. Not a surprise. Most, they, a lot of people you know, are experiencing anxiety in particular. There's a lot of stuff happening. So the workforce was already struggling. And then we took them out of the workplace and people were like, wow, you know, I have this family. 
I have this dog I love. If, you, if you've been in an airport lately, dogs are all over the place. I think that's a COVID <laughs> side effect, right? Yeah. They, they, they want that dog with them. So this is the context you're, that you're leading in. And so I think as we go into 2022, you have to appreciate what that, what that really means and to do some things that I think will make an impact. All right. So there are three things I think we'll, we'll share about if you're, if you're leading going into 2022, you need to consider. I think the first is uh, to prioritize safety. Now, when, when I say safety these days, people are like, you know, ding, what does that mean? You know, are we, are we wearing masks? Are we social distancing? What are we doing? Right. right. Maybe safety is, is critical. Why? It's a, it's a basic human thing. Right. And, and so if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, safety is near the bottom. Right. And, and hierarchy of needs, you know, and most people are familiar, but it just deals with, with the, these tiers that we exist on. And, but every lower tier must be met before we can elevate. Right. So you, you deal with, you know, basic needs and then safety and then relationships and then, you know, feelings about yourself and then like actualization. Right. The pinnacle. Nothing happens until we feel safe. Right. Until think about it. If you, if you leave your door unlocked, you just can't focus. Right. If you think something, you know, you're in a place that's not safe, you just can't settle down. People make decisions about where they're going to live based on safety, where they're going to work and drive and take their families. Safety. So what COVID has created is this 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 disease that comes from two two places. Am I going to get COVID or am I going to walk into a place and somebody's angry because they got to put a mask on and, and now they're they're they're, you know, disrupting things. So as a leader, you got to think safety for your workforce first, I believe, because um, we often say that the customers are always right. The customers first. I believe that your team is first. You yeah. got to take care of the people who take care of the people, right? And if if we if we get that message across and create a place where people feel like they can walk into, they're going to be okay, right? Well, however you have to do that, um, then I think that's a, that's an important priority to set. I think that's a good point too. You think about you know productivity and and how do you operate. You can't, like you said, you can't really excel if you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And not even in a COVID world, yeah. if you're talking about maybe you've got a boss that's one of those types that yeah. yells at you for, for every little mistake. And, and, you know, it might even not even be a mistake. It might be a choice, you know, just a style choice or, or something like that. If you're in that environment, you're always in this like shell shock kind of world you're not going to excel and you're not going to to continue to lead and and do well for the organization. So I like that point. I think that's that's super helpful. Yeah. I think it's it's challenging to thrive in an environment like that. And um you know, it, with this idea of safety that you mentioned, you know, and and Russ with your point, that uncertainty um and and instability in a in an environment really does um, prevent someone from feeling comfortable, from wanting to, to stay. It, it doesn't inspire them <laughs> in any way. It's, I don't know what I'm going to get when I walk through the door. Uh, and so if you can create a culture and an, an inviting culture and an environment where people feel valued, where they know that they are as important or more important than that customer or client, um, then they feel safe. Ultimately, yeah, yep. I give you a great example. Costco, right? In the beginning, if you read up on Costco during the, in the beginning of the uh, pandemic, they had some issues and the employees were not happy. And then all of a sudden, they went just extreme, right? And I say extreme, they were moving really quickly um, in terms of creating this space where 
you know, if you're an employee, they, you felt like, okay, I'm going to be taking care of plexiglass goes up. Um, you know, they're wiping down services all throughout the store. And they were one of the first establishments I saw that had a circle on the floor, like stand here. And so the, the, and, and I remember talking to an employee early on and she was, uh, she was complaining about some of the things I was reading about. And, but Costco responded within weeks to some of those, those concerns. Next thing you know, um, they're open. You know, I don't think they've ever, they've never closed, right? And they also, they, they created a, a Tuesday and Thursday for seniors in the morning times. And so they, they did some things that showed people, hey, you know what, I care. If you go there right now, they're still wiping down carts and things like that. And so, and if somebody is, they walk in without a mask, they'll say, can you please do that, whatever. They're just, they're just trying to create a consistent experience for everyone so that no matter who you are, you come in and there's kind of this common denominator where you feel like you're going to be able to just come in here, get your dog on toilet paper and your cookies and go home, right? Because that's right. ultimately what people want to do in Costco. So you have to have to create a space where your team can create that experience for uh, for your customers and your and your clients. So I think Costco is number one. Forbes has a new list, the Halo 100 for customer experience. Costco is number one on that list. Yeah, and I think to that point, using Costco as the example, it really isn't about yielding to whatever the political climate is or whatever um, the world is saying is the priority. It, it really was about listening to their people. And I think that kind of lends itself to our second point where, you know, it's it's about building these relationships where your people feel valued, but they also feel heard. And so if the concerns were coming from their employees, then what they did was they shifted and addressed the concerns of their employees first. And in doing that, they spoke to and were able to um, alleviate some of the stress that the customers were also feeling. You're not always going to get that right, but if you take care of home, then, then you're inspiring and you're motivating and you're supporting your people to do what they do better. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's a great point. Um, they were, and that's why they were, they were responding so quickly because they were listening. Without relationships, like, what, do, you even, do you even really care, right? How, and how do you know what people experience and what they're going through? Um, and so by creating that, you discover what people are really looking for. Um, we did a we did a survey some years ago, and we we were asking CEOs and, and senior execs, uh, what's most important, or no, what do you believe is most important to your employees, and um, and they said you know pay and a couple other things. We asked the employees the same question. They were their their thing was you know culture and relationships, right? And so they they've been they do these same types of studies. They did it here recently, um, and. In a recent survey of, of companies, ours was really small. This one was really big. But the, <clears throat> excuse me, the employers said, you know, work money, you know, compensation, work-life balance, um, you know, physical, emotional health. Not wrong, actually, right? I mean, because those are those are important to everybody. But the employees, by and large, the first thing on their list is that they wanted to feel valued. Number one thing. Um, the the second thing was, uh, they, they, well, they wanted the organization to value them, but they also wanted the managers, those people they were looking at every day, to value them as well. And they wanted to feel like they belonged. The manager is the key in that whole layer. That is a connection from, you know, kind of this big vision, big picture thing to actual action on the ground. And managers, by the way, in that 2019 uh, study I mentioned, managers were the linchpin. 
they really determined whether or not the organization thrived or people struggled in that particular culture. So those relationships are critical. And if you don't prioritize those, you're going to see more turnover. You're going to see more problems. Um, you're going to see more health problems even. And these days, you're going to struggle to hire and to retain people. So we've got safety. Yes. We've got relationships. Yes. What's number three on your guys' list? Number three. And, and, and so some people are going to say, yay. Some are going to say, oh, boo. You got to figure out the virtual hybrid in-person thing. If you have the ability to do things virtual or to do the work in an innovative way, these days you have to do it. Um, we, we, did, we, we worked with a client back in February 2020. It was, it was a, a network of of the, these regional organizations that were um, in the Southeast. And there was a whole debate about whether or not remote work could happen, right? And at that point, we didn't even, you know, COVID, COVID was not completely blowing up. And there was this debate back and forth. And um, in a month, they discovered that it was very much possible. And so because people have existed in that environment and because of what they saw, well, now, you know, they're, they're like, I think I, wanna, I, I want to be able to work from home because I can and to have maybe spend more time with my kids and maybe have a little bit more control of my time and my life and maybe not drive in traffic and all those things. And so um, if there is a way, you got to figure out how to do it because people are actually leaving their jobs because of that. And there are other companies who are stepping up and grabbing that talent because they, they made that shift. Yeah, I mean, we're in the midst of what, what a lot of people call the great resignation, uh, that a lot of people are um, leaving their current job situations if their leaders are not willing to adjust or create um, alternate work environments or work schedules, whether that's virtual or remote or um, some type of flex schedule. And the idea, I mean, I think we all learned it was a forced lesson that work can still get accomplished from wherever you are. Uh, we had a conversation recently with a couple and essentially they're like, yeah, we're moving from where we are. And the good news is we don't have to leave our jobs because we can do our jobs from wherever we are. And so there's this freedom that comes with that. Um, I was talking to Mike. I said, yeah, I'm going to ask Reagan about the, the difference between a, a buyer's market and a seller's market. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the primary difference between well, if in a buyer's market, what is it like? So, right. So, you, I mean, in a buyer's market, buyers in charge, um, you know, they get to dictate a lot of the terms. Um, you, you know, the sellers are desperate for somebody to buy their house. And so, you know, you've got usually a lot of inventory that's sitting there for a long time. And, you know, the competition for the buyers is pretty fierce. And so, you know, the buyers get to call the shots on that. What we're in right now is a massive seller's market. You've got depressed inventory across the country. You've got, uh, you know, lots of competition for every house, multiple offers happening and that kind of stuff. And so sellers are really calling the shots. Both a buyer's market or a seller's market is unhealthy in real estate, right? You, you want neutral ground. You want both parties to have some power uh, and some need to negotiate, right? And I think that's, that's, a, that's a good place for you to be in, in, in any kind of environment, right? At work, in your family, yeah. at your church, whatever. I mean, you, you don't need the scale of power to be too unbalanced. So you need everybody to, to, to ha have some value, to feel heard, to have a little bit of power, a little skin in the game. 
and to also have to give. You have to give something, right, to, to, to other folks. And so, you know, that's that's where we're at right now in, in real estate. And, you know, it's it's going to last, I think, for us for a while. I, I hope that at some point we'll get back to a kind of a neutral market. Um, but, yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the reason why I wanted to ask you that question is because it's how I'm seeing leadership right now and the workforce, because it, in, and essentially, in some ways, it's a buyer's market um, when we think about the employee or the potential employee as the buyer. You know, it, we, we're in a position to make different demands to and, and that seller has to either meet our demands or we're going to go somewhere else. There are lots of opportunities, lots of places that we could choose to work. We're going to choose the ones that really meet our needs. And so what we all hope for, I think, is a more balanced market. We want the give and take to be essentially. Even. I, yeah, I think if you look at the workforce right now and you're right, right, it's in that kind of buyer's market. It's in the employee's you know, side, they've, they've got a lot of the, the buying power here, right? So they can dictate a lot of the terms, you know, you, you think through that, you, you, there's a local company here, a pretty good sized company that uh, beginning of COVID, they sent like 300 of their call center people home. What they found was their productivity went up. People are actually able to work less hours and be more productive. So they like that. So they're actually going to keep them home. What they found was that, that other components of their business were less productive because it's people and relationship-based and being at home and on Zoom just did not work. So what they've, they've found is that some roles are great at home and can be flexible, other roles not so much. And so they have been able to find that, but, but you know, that, that is, I'm sure, what we're all going to have to, over the next several years, figure that component out. What I do know is going to be true is that it will not always be a buyer's market. That's correct. It will not always be, uh, you know, the employees dictating so much. It will swing. Uh, and so, you know, there's going to be adjustments that may be made. And hopefully, as, as you said and I've said, we get back to more of a neutral so that there is a give and take. There is some negotiation that it's not just you meet my demands or I walk. Uh, that's just unhealthy. That's just not a good way for anybody to be able to, to do business. And it's disruptive, right? I mean, so... You know, you you have your places that you do business with, and it's difficult to sometimes count on them now or to, to get the experience that you, you know, as a customer think you deserve because they can't provide it to you because they don't have enough staff. And so, um, you know, hopefully we'll get back to, to more health in that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and my hope is that because, because it kind of, you know, gets us back somewhat to, to point two. And we need to understand it out there in the, in, the, in the workforce, in the world, there are some people who, who, who will leave no matter what do what you want, <laughs> they're going to leave, right? Your, your influence is minimal there because their motivation is not aligned with yours, right? And so what we're speaking to right now are, are those, those folks who perhaps call them in the center, reachable, right? Because there's some people who are never leaving, by the way, as well. And so how do you create a relationship where it becomes less transactional? I think people now, if you read a little bit, you'll discover that uh, the employee believes that it's, it's very much transactional, even that pay raise that they get offered, right? So, well, that's nice, but somebody else will pay me more money almost always. So what do you do that transcends money? Well, you create a real relationship that transcends money. And people will actually, and, and this is documented, we've seen it, they will, they will take less money or, or stop looking at least if the relationship is solid. And so now they're connected to something outside of themselves. And so um, it's always important, even under pressure, especially under pressure, even 
to find a way to cultivate and to nurture those relationships you have. In fact, take care of the people that you have right now, like really well, even as you seek other folks. Make sure the people that are there know that they are important and that they have value. Do you think, uh, going kind of back to your question about, you know, buyers and sellers markets, and obviously, you know, we're in an employee side of the market. Do you think it was something that was kind of growing and needed to happen? I mean, when you when you look at the work culture, really, we were in that, you know, you know, eight to five grind, you know, you're at your desk, you're doing, you know, and now we've become maybe a little bit more flexible, you know, maybe providing a little bit more flex time for family time and stuff like that. Do you think that that's maybe getting us back to maybe a little bit more of a healthy uh, balance between work and, and, and life? Of course I do. <laughs> I think we have to embrace change. Yeah. I think we, we should always be willing to be innovative and to um, invite new ideas, to entertain new ideas, and always find better ways to do what we do. Um, and th the best resource for finding that out are the people that work with you, work for you. Um, employees are great at telling you how they think they could do their job better. And as leaders, it's our responsibility to ask um, and to pay attention and to listen. Um, I think, yeah, it, it was a long time coming, um, but again, and I mentioned earlier about that guidance, that vision, um, you know, it is, yes, I want to give you the world, but the world is this big. So, you know, we just have to be, be intentional about that, but absolutely. When we talk about those relationships, we've been talking about in value, mm -hmm. people being, you know, feeling like they've been heard, yes. you, you know, the leader the employer can't always do what Costco did, can't always listen and then act on stuff. I mean, there, there's sometimes a, a position that they're in that, that I've listened, I heard you, I wish I could, but I can't because that's not the world that we're in. That's not the capability that I have as an, as an organizational leader or even as a business. So, so how do we, in those situations, continue to retain our employees um, you know, you think about an organization like the chamber, retain members, provide that value whenever maybe they're saying something that this is what I, I want or expect or need. And you're just like, well, I wish I could, but I can't, I can't provide you that, but I'm listening. I hear you. How, yeah. how do we do that? Yeah. I, I think people actually give you grace when you can't do something that they want. Right. I think it's about, it's about your intent. It's about your track record. It is about your connection. So because you can't do everything, right? And sometimes the answer is no. However, you will find that if people are heard and they believe you're genuine, they will give you grace on the things that you just can't do. I, I believe in, in treating leadership almost like a, like a crisis management type exercise in terms of approach. And that is um, consistently coming back, even when you don't have a good answer. Sometimes you just don't know. But you got to tell people you don't know, right? You can't make up answers. You can't avoid them because when, when people don't have information, they fill the void in with all kinds of things, and those things are never good. And so it's about continuing to come back and tell people, hey, this is what I heard. Here's what I did. Here's where we are. If you do that, what you're doing is creating trust because trust is not doing what I say to, doing what I say to do. Trust is being able to know that you're going to do you know, what you said you would, 
knowing that you're going to come back, you're going to keep me updated, you're going to keep me in the loop, things are going to be, you know, transparent as they can be, et cetera. So I think if you're able to create that, then you get some grace on the things that you that you are unable to do. But you, they have to know you're putting the work in and that you care, not just, you know, what I don't feel like it. Nope, too hard. That, that doesn't work. Right. But if your track record suggests that you're putting the work in, then people will give you a break. Yeah, I think that that consistency is so important. And, and I mean, bottom line is do what you can when you can. Um, I think sometimes we miss opportunities to make good on on something when the opportunity arises. So I can't do it today, but when I can, I will. And consistently doing that, um, people are watching and they have long memories. And I think when we just stay singularly focused on the things that we've made priorities as leaders um, and we're not considering all those other things that we're missing opportunities to really cultivate our workforce. One other question before we get into our last question. We're talking about leaders and what it takes to be a leader. What would you guys say is the, the best attribute of a good leader? I know I said. And there's a hundred of them, so pick the, the one. The one. It's the best. The one. Well, I mean, and each of you can have a different one. Yeah, but in your mind, no. What let's do, you do that. Let's y'all have to. We'll see whose is better. You just pick one, and we'll then we'll it. see whose right, is better. We'll rate it. it. Whenever they, whenever they do that, I always lose. So um, I don't know about that. Let's, let's Look, what's the question again? Just pick an attribute of a leader. What do you think is one of the, one, the or one of the best attributes that uh, a leader? And if possess? somebody wanted to be a, a better leader, what what attribute? What should they what should they kind of focus on and, and build up in their own? personality yeah I, I think it's uh, I would say self-awareness and self-development I mean so self-awareness slash self-development um, this idea of really knowing owning your strengths and weaknesses but then seeking out opportunities to become better I think all of us have an opportunity to grow to learn um, and to develop and if you're not tapping into that as a leader then not only are you shortchanging yourself but you are really um, shortchanging your team so I, I that's what I would go with was that two it was <laughs> I one think that was two. slash yeah. another okay that's how she she games at you I'm sure just like just okay. just throw a slash in she there. Th and she good. throws in multiple. Yeah, throw a slash always there. better. Okay, I have one, and so and so this is a different way of getting many things under one umbrella. <laughs> 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 but I, I think great leaders are great servants, right? It, because, like as I said earlier, it's about you. And so oftentimes we think of leadership as a top-down thing. And I like to think of leadership. You know, I like to invert that picture, right? If if the fruit is what we're trying to produce. The leader, the leadership, that happens, say, in the ground, right, at the root network. You're providing resource, and you're providing nurturing. You're giving that tree everything it needs to flourish and to produce the fruit that you're trying to produce. So I, I would say service. Our great leader is a great servant. No, I that's like that. good. That was good. Thank you. I like that. Thank you very much. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I both. think I won, but I think, I think that <laughs> was good. I think you said yourself. I mean, I, what you just said, I would – believe that I won. Oh, that was good, Mike. Thanks. Excellent. Well, and we talked about it too. Leadership is influence. Obviously, our podcast is called Range of Influence. And we ask all of our guests, uh, at some point, uh, there was somebody or an event or something that has probably been the biggest influence on who, what 
what made you what you are and, and what kind of took you down the path that you're on. If you were to, to answer that question, who or what uh, event would you say would, would be the biggest influence on your, your life right now? I feel like you're waiting on me. So <laughs> I, interestingly, it was a negative event. It was, it was actually working under a toxic leader um, who uh, really demonstrated preservation of self over service of others um, and who really did not take the time to invest or inspire or equip uh, those younger leaders and I was a younger leader in in that system and so that really uh, it got my attention and it forced me to pay attention in a different way um, and really I think formed my heart in a way that says if we can form the right relationships and prioritize taking care of people first and establishing those relationships then we're getting it right um, so I, I would say that and I, and I will not say names understood understood yeah wow um that's a that's the that's a tough one russell but i, I think um maybe and it's I, actually maybe another negative event i guess but you know i think um, i plan to be in the army for almost maybe 30 years or something right and i retired at about 20 21 years or so and it was because much of the work that we do now in terms of um, helping leaders to shape culture and just create this place that people want to be a part of um, I had a role, a very unique role in the Army doing just that um, in, in recruiting command, actually, which is what brought us to this area of the country. Um, but long story short, you know, we, we walk into these, these places all over the country, and we are there to help leaders lead better. But I'm, in one place in particular, I'm looking, and he had no interest in doing that. And I had no, no impact on, you know, on shaping that. And some, some, very, some very difficult things happened um, at that particular place some, some months later that really got me thinking about who I work with and how we do it and the ability to, ch to help change anything. And my thing was, hey, I need to, to be able to work with leaders who know that it's time to do something different, who know that they want to make certain changes and do certain things and who are committed to that. And, and somehow the Army felt confining for that purpose. So it was time to come out and, and do something different. So, hey, that's what I did. Well, I think it's it's not uncommon for people to take negative situations or negative events and turn them into positives. And I think clearly you both have done that uh, and taken you know your, those events and created a, a career around it. And um, I just thank you guys for coming into the studio today and, and sharing your wisdom. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be seeing more of you guys around the community, but not only that, probably around the chamber quite a bit too. So, Absolutely. and uh, you know, both of you, thank you for your service. Wendy, uh, board member, uh, Michael, you're, you're a mentor in our young men on the move. Um, really appreciate your service to the chamber. So thank you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for all that you all do. We really appreciate you. What a great conversation, Reagan. I think Wendy and Mike both have a, a, a very unique perspective on leadership, obviously, from their time spent in the Army. Uh, but 
I think they really hit home on three points that are really important for leaders now. That's right, Russ. Great discussion. Their level of experience and leadership uh, is probably surpassed many, but based upon their their service in the armed forces, the three things that you know they talked about: prioritizing safety, building relationships, and learning what people are really looking for. You know, finding a way to be, I think, be flexible, right? We talked about the remote hybrid thing, but it's really about being flexible. Finding a way that meets the needs of your employees is important. Um, and one of the things that I got from that personally was you, know, you don't always have to be in that leadership role. You don't have to be the senior leader to have influence, to be in a place of leadership. So for all those out there that you, know, you find yourself maybe not at the top of the totem pole or at the point of the spear, you know, you can have influence and you can be a leader as well. That's right. And I think that's the key word is influence. We all have influence at some point, at some level in our lives. And, and how, we, how we use that influence is important. Well, we want to thank our guests, Mike and Wendy Perry. But we also need to thank our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks. You can find them at AugustaITGuys.com. Again, that's AugustaITGuys.com. And if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Range of Influence.